podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick fire and drags it down now. Long way out. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, Jack's goal! Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. We're almost there. Cyprus nil, Scotland three. A lovely cool breeze in the Mediterranean heat on Friday, and Scotland have now won five out of five in Group A. Fifteen points. Spain are closest to us on six, although they've played two less games. So Norway and Georgia are beneath even them. And we are the only team that can qualify this week for the European Championship next summer in Germany. Amazing. Former Falkirk and Dundee forward Rory Loy is with us, as is sports writer Ben Ramage. Ben, that was just a really comfortable 90 minutes. Yeah, it's unreal. I think when we, we did the preview podcast and we were talking about if we could get a comfortable win, that that would kind of show how far we've come even on. And uh, I think we, we got that. I mean, we were sat there 3-0 up after half an hour just thinking, is this is this actually happening? This just this just isn't us. Um, but the great thing is that that, that is now us. Um, this team is just operating on another level. Um, for us to go there with the heat and the pitch and everything that in the past have been used as excuses – we just we just don't need to do that anymore. The team is just that good, and uh, we just we absolutely dominated them uh, from start to finish. It was it was absolutely superb to watch. Rory, do you reckon going to lower seedings away from home, such as this or Armenia in the Nations League last summer, for example, and winning comfortably, says just as much or more about the team than results against Spain and and the larger nations? Yes, I would say so. It's um, Steve Clark is dispelling the myth of you know Scotland being able to to win a big match and then fall flat in their face um, in a fixture which looks markedly easier. Um, you know, my dad. I remember growing up when I was younger. Um, you know, my dad. You always used to say to me, "Don't get carried away when they won." A bigger match because they would they would go away to the countries like this and somehow find a way to to mess it up. But under Steve Clark, it's it's unbelievable. It's I mean the the job they did against Cyprus was was quite fantastic. To you know the the second half was a non-event and that is credit to the team. That's credit to Steve Clark to be able to go away to places like that, which are generally speaking quite difficult. Um, because against the likes of Spain, you do get spaces um, in the top end of the pitch, and we've got enough quality in our side now, even against the likes of our Spain, to score a couple of goals, as, we, as we've as seen. But then going away to Cyprus, where they're sitting on zero points, they're probably just going to try and um, make it difficult for us, for us to be able to, to break them down three times in the first half and be so comfortable. This is very, very... Historically, un Scotland like, and you know, it's as Ben says, it's, it's great to be in a position where um, we're now able to go to places like that and win so comfortably. Here's here's the state of play, guys. The main thing is how can we qualify? So it can be done on Tuesday while we play against England. If Norway and Georgia draw, that's it. That is it. Done. 
and we can enjoy the last three games, which are tough. Spain and Georgia away, followed by Norway at home. We can play those three games safe in the knowledge that the job is done. If those, if that result on Tuesday doesn't go our way, Norway and Georgia, we need two points from our final three games to seal it. So one win would get us over the line as well. We Global Football, who we pointed towards in the last podcast, have now increased our chance of automatic qualification to 99.36%. I think that that is not just based on our form, but also the likelihood of all the other results going against us between now and the end of November, which seems quite unlikely based on their assertions. We, at the moment, have almost a two-thirds chance of winning the group, which, again, would just be phenomenal. But when you look at it here, Ben, 12 goals scored over five games and one conceded, which was a penalty against uh, Norway. That that sort of thing is, as, as Rory said, completely unheard of. And when Clark was given his new contract initially after the Euros just before we got beaten by Denmark away from home. I think we definitely, you and I, thought "Mm, that seems a bit hasty because the Euros didn't go that well. And his first game after that new contract, Denmark tore us apart. And we thought "Mm, maybe we should have waited till the end of this campaign before giving Clark a new contract. But 21 games since that 2-0 game against Denmark. Three defeats, Ukraine in the playoff, Ireland in Dublin and Turkey in the friendly. Three draws, Austria and Poland uh, in friendlies. We chucked both of them in the last minute. And Ukraine 0-0 away from home, an excellent draw. 15 wins out of 21. The, the run that we are on is just supreme. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think when, like, from the outside looking in, Especially, I don't know if you saw the the video that the SFA shared of Clark sort of when the players were coming off, he was giving everyone high fives. And it was like, what struck me was that every player was getting a slightly different reaction. You know, some boys just needed like a straightforward high five. Some was just a nod. And then I think everyone was sort of picking up on the end that Billy Gilmore was getting like a big arm around and a big congratulations. And to me, that just shows how Clark is managing this squad just so well. He really understands what each player needs. He's built the sort of team ethic that Scotland have always historically needed. You know, we've had to be together and we've had to sort of rely on that. But I think now we've also got, so we've got that sort of fixed. But then you've also got the fact that you've got fantastic players now. You know, you've got a John McGinn, you've got Scott McTominay, you've got Andy Robertson. You know, these boys are playing at the absolute top level. So I think when you put those two together, that's the winning formula. And to me, that seems to be what Clark has hit on. And we are just absolutely riding that wave. Um, and you just have to hope that it can continue. You talk about the percentage of us getting through. I think, you know, it really would have to be an absolute monumental uh, up to <laughs> for us to not make it now. And but even even the way um, I think if you saw John McGinn's comment afterwards about you know oh, so only our wee nation could mess this up I think he was kind of playing with that he was kind of saying you know this this isn't our group anymore um, that's maybe been in the past but you know touch wood I know it's still not a hundred percent yet but it does look to be a matter of when not if um, and if we can take this sort of form into the Euros then we can we can really start to get excited about Germany. Rory we. We came flying out the traps against Cyprus. I was surprised to read that's the earliest that we've scored twice in a game since October 2007 in the game against Ukraine 
at Hamden, in which we won three one. We were two 0 up after sixteen minutes. It was, just, it was just nice to to really be able to take a a deep breath and relax and sink into the couch um, after that second one went in. Yeah, and. As I said, the second half was a non-event. It was quite boring, but I think everyone in the nation of Scotland was quite happy with that, as you say. Um, I think it's credit to Steve Clark, um, Andy, because you've touched on some of the times where he came under a little bit of pressure. Um, you know, there was a probably an unrealistic expectation going into the Euros, given it was our first major tournament in such a long time. Totally unprecedented for the, for this group of players. Never played in that type of thing before. So, you know, as a nation, clearly we went into that um, campaign with expectations, which, on reflection, were they realistic? Were they not realistic? I know in terms of the group, you could look at it and go, well, there was a chance to qualify there. We didn't do very well in it. However, one thing about Steve Clark is he never bows to the pressure of changing his squad too much. You know, every time a, a, a squad announcement is due after a bad result or a bad campaign, there's people, you know, discussing guys from, you know, his grandmother's this, that. We need to get him in. We need to get, um, you know, Ryan Gold's doing well and Lewis Morgan's doing well and we need to look at these types of guys. And that's no uh, offence to these guys whatsoever. Very, very good players. However, Steve Clark has maintained that he wants to get a club atmosphere um, within the group and I think that consistency of selection, of course he's had to bring um, different players in at certain times um, but generally speaking that consistency of selection has created an atmosphere in a group where they all look forward to getting together they all know each other, I don't think he'll need to go over tactics too much once he's got them all together, they understand how each other play Um and, you know, we're seeing it domestically at the moment. There's so much conversations around, oh, they're settling in, they're getting to know each other. You know, it'll come in time. And I think Steve Clark has been very, very good at um, getting a consistent level of performance out of the same group of players, mainly. Um, and I think it's credit to him for doing that because, you know, in the long run, it's been it's been quite phenomenal. The, the third goal was an absolute peach of a team effort, guys. I put it to you that Billy Gilmore, who you said got special praise from Clark at the end of the game, um, not publicly anyway, but it was spotted on the SFA socials. I love the, the sentiment that play like this, and we, we did expand on Gilmore a little bit, Ben, and how he's different to most Scottish midfielders of recent generations. The way he was scanning midfield at least three or four times before the ball came into his feet from the right-back area, and the first time whipped pass round the corner for into Shea Adams' feet and then Adams held it up and put it down the line for McTominay. I love that first-time pass where someone is assessing what to do and then breaks the lines. Two, two or three or four players out of the equation in the blink of an eye because of Gilmore's anticipation. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's exactly what we were talking about, about him being that special player. And in international football, especially looking at someone like Cyprus that are probably going to sit behind the ball, numbers behind the ball, that's the kind of incisive pass that you need that just opens up the door. And that's exactly why we were calling for Gilmore to be in. That's exactly why he was in. And that's why he will continue to play for us because he just has that little bit of magic that can unlock a defence, whether it's a Cyprus or whether it's a Spain. Um, and we are so lucky to have him. He's still so young. He's still got so much growth. 
Um, and even looking at the first goal, you know, that was from playing out from the back as well. You know, this this team is so comfortable on the ball. It happened so many times um, for, on um, on Friday night where, you know, they were tight to the line, but they weren't they weren't content to just knock it down the line and hope. You know, they were they were determined to keep the ball all the time, and that is just a massive difference uh, in mindset and sort of technical skill um, for us over the last few years. Is that our best midfield pairing, Rory? Gilmore and McGregor? Um, from a technical standpoint, um, I would say so. Um, you know, Ben touches on, and, and you also mentioned, Andy, the, the, the first time pass around the corner now. You need a technician of the highest calibre to be able to go in and do that, and Billy Gilmore is that man, but don't underestimate as well that you need that game intelligence from Adams to be able to be in a position to receive that pass. It needs to be coached well from Clark on the, the sidelines. Um, and then, you know, you've got your third man run, and McGinn, who needs to be in the space at the right time. So I think, you know, credit has to go to more than just Billy Gilmore in that instance, because it takes a hell of a lot more movement off the ball, intelligence of where to be as a striker, Um for Billy Gilmore to be able to play that pass. Now, the most difficult part of, of is, of course, to be able to play the pass. And that's why we're absolutely blessed to have the likes of Billy Gilmore in that midfield because um, you can actually work on these things with you know, the knowledge knowing that he's capable of doing that. Um, and then when you've got Callum McGregor to caveat that, who for me is, um, is, is an outstanding player, of course, and while slightly different to, to Billy Gilmore, just as crucial to the team, of course. Um, I think there may be times where, in certain stages of games, where maybe a likes of a McTominay alongside McGregor slightly deeper, um, it may call for that. However, you know, if we are going to go toe to toe with teams um, in terms of wanting to keep the ball and play possession based football, then Billy Gilmore and Carl McGregor is our best pairing. And I think it was credit. You know, I noticed. You know, you're three 0 down. Your Cyprus. I'm thinking, right, they're going to come out second half and have a, a bit of a goal, um, try and get a goal back, restore a little bit of pride. And they didn't. And the reason they didn't was because they're thinking, if we open up in any way, this team's going to punish us. We could get beat seven or eight here. And that is absolute credit to Scotland. They're feared at the moment. They're feared because, like I said, if you're 3-0 down, you want to try and get back in the game. Cyprus didn't. Cyprus, Cyprus were genuinely thinking, we want to avoid a beating here because this team is very, very, very good. And that's such a, a turnaround, Rory, because I think when the draw was made, even though we had a good couple of years, even when the draw was made this time last year or October last year, we were probably the team from pot two that most in pot one and pot three would have would have wanted, I think. I think they, they would have gladly accepted Scotland being the team out of, of pot two. The next time a draw comes around, or even when the Euros come around in the summer, I think that we will be, I don't think we'll be a, a dark horse to win it, for example, but I think that we will be a team that the more established European side, sides don't want to draw because we are capable now of inflicting a little wound or a bigger one on them, Ben. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Rory's absolutely bang on that, you know, as much as Gilmore makes the pass, it's the movement, it's it's everyone around, it's the, it's the entire squad is just such high quality now. You know, they're all playing at such a great level and you've got players on the bench that are equally playing at the top level that can't even get a game. 
Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Teams will be looking at us and thinking it's not just that we have a brilliant squad. We've also got a brilliant coach that is also getting the absolute best out of them. So, yeah, 100% teams will not want to face us in the groups because, you know, we've shown that we can really go toe-to-toe with, with the biggest teams and get results. Thanks. Uh, this, let's, let's be clear, this is not the first time in history that Scotland have gone away from home to a lower seed and won comfortably. We did have a habit for a while of making it appear harder than it perhaps should have. It's hard. It's, it's, sometimes I feel like it's wrong for me to make that assertion because I've never played in these games and I'm just maybe speaking with a, with some blue lenses over my eyes or with a myopic view. But I think that expectations would be over the years that Scotland would go to Cyprus and do what we did at the weekend. Um, whereas there's been times in the past, Georgia, for example, Macedonia, where we've, we've struggled. I think that Lithuania in 2017 under Strachan, we went away from home and won 3 0. Which was seen as a similar type of game, but at that point we needed to win to keep ourselves in contention. Um, and we were relying on things going our way at that point. Um, this time, a win away to Cyprus just keeps us in pole position to win a group, a group that has Spain, Norway, and Georgia, who will we'll still play them away, but it is a tough, tough group. And this time we've gone away and, and battered Cyprus, as Rory says, barely got out of first or second gear in the second 45 because we didn't need to. The game was wrapped up after half an hour. I just, I just can't remember the last time a game like that transpired in such a way with everything going our way alongside it, Rory. Yes, and, you know, Steve Clark's, you know, breaking down barriers psychologically as well in terms of the players having the confidence and belief that you know they're going out there their favourites to win the game um, and they'll do what it takes to get the job done whether that be rolling the sleeves up whether that be getting the ball down and playing and you know the next generation of football fans coming through um, are going to think that <laughs> um, it's it's always been this way um, you know but when Scotland do travel to, to Georgia there will be a level of expectation now of course, it may may depend on how the group sits and what we need to do, and uh, in terms of trying to get points and things, it might be all done and dusted by then. And there's a different approach and a different, um, you know, psychological aspect to it. But I don't think it will be. I think Steve Clark will want to keep the momentum going. Um, and I think if you look at the group, Spain and Norway, despite the pot we were in, I, I do believe that that Norway are a very very good side, um, and probably with Haaland in that squad would be looking at that going there. Yeah, probably favourites to finish second. Georgia have, whilst I would consider us a better um, footballing nation than Georgia, they do have individual players who've got quality. But the ease in which we have, you know, taken on these challenges and produced results, even against Spain, like, the best team won. Um, it's not like we're sitting there going, right, we, we packed the defence and it was one of those... You know, moments uh, McFadden against France, where you soak up pressure and you, you know, hit once on the counter attack, and it's a wonder goal. You know, it was simply a very, very good um, team selection from Steve Clark. It was a very good performance, and we deserve to win. And like I said, the next generation of football fans better not get used to it because I kind of see it lasting forever. However, let's um, ride the crest of a wave while we can. A word for the goal scorers, Ben. Let's start with. Scott McTominay, another one. Six now in this group stage. 
what an unbelievable turnaround. His, his emergence has been just perfect for us. He, he was playing right centre-back only two years ago for Scotland. And there was maybe a bit of hesitation among the support about him starting because he's only played seven minutes for Man United this season. But that jersey is super glued onto his back at the moment. Yeah, I need to hold my hands up because I, was, I wasn't calling for Christie to start, but I thought that Clark might edge that way because of McTominay's lack of minutes. But you just, again, Clark knows obviously best and he just shows that, you know, that given that much faith to McTominay at the moment when he obviously really needs it, yeah. McTominay's determined to pay it back. And, you know, he's making that run in. I think McGinn is going for goal right enough, um, but it ends up obviously perfect for McTominay and he's chased it in. He almost gets his head kicked off. Uh, by the Cyprus defender that's retreating, but he's brave and he put, he puts his head in, and um, yeah, it's just absolutely incredible his scoring run at the moment. He's on absolute fire, um, and like you say, he's he's nailed into that team. Rory, if you could do us a favour as the resident professional, um, when you 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 pointed out, for example, earlier on with Shea Adams showing himself for the ball for Gilmore's pass, maybe we think he's even there that regular fans might not notice, like. Ben or I. Um, what is it about McTominay's game and or McTominay as a player and this Scotland team or style that allows him to flourish in a position that probably most people wouldn't have associated him with before this year? Scott McTominay? Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, you know, I'll come back to that um, level of consistency in terms of Steve Clark's selection. I think Scott McTominay knows when he's packing his bags in Manchester and heading up to Scotland or wherever it may be, he's going to play. And that, as a player, gives you a level of confidence to go and perform well. Um, I think Steve Clark knows what he's going to get from. He's very competitive in terms of getting around the pitch, winning tackles. You know, it's strange to say this because he plays for Manchester United. His quality in terms of his passing can be better at times, but he's always a goal threat. He's a he's big, he's large in both both boxes. And he's playing with good players, Andy. And from a from a, a tactical point of view, obviously we we, we, get, we get good width with Hickey and, and Robertson. And when you've got John McGinn in there, who's a fantastic player, Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor, these guys know where to move and where to be to open up spaces for the likes of Scott McTominay. Um, his timing of runs into the box as well is, is phenomenal. And I think that, you know, there was a there was a headline in the paper which I, c- I couldn't quite understand given the position we're in in the group. It was, I mean, it was the most negative headline of all time given, you know, we were aiming for 15 out of 15. It was something along the lines of why can't we produce good strikers, number nines, that type of idea. It was like they just looked at what is the most um, negative view we can have on this current Scotland team, right? But, but you look at Che Adams, okay? There's a reason he's played in the Premier League for so long and scored goals in the Premier League relatively consistency, uh, consistently for a team like Southampton. I appreciate they're no longer in the Premier League, but he's game intelligence. Now, it's one of those where if you're a white, say Aaron Hickey's high up the pitch and the ball comes into Aaron Hickey and he's under pressure, he wants to know that if he flips that round the corner, Che Adams has got the game intelligence to know where to be to pin the defender and then have the technical ability to take it in and pop it off. If you don't have that faith in your striker, you take that extra touch, you go back the pitch, and everything just goes back five, ten yards. And that's why, you know, some players do have good technical attributes, 
but they don't have the game intelligence or the the know how as to where to be um, and when to be there. And as the play's building up, you can see Jay Adams moving into positions to receive the pass, such as Billy Gilmer's pass around the corner. He's pivotal to the way, or Lyndon Dykes, whoever one plays, or sometimes they play together. He's pivotal to, these guys are pivotal to the way Scotland play and to be able to get them high up the pitch. And there's a level of trust amongst the players to go, do you know what? When that ball goes into Billy Gilmer, I know where I need to be to get the ball. And if I'm not there and he flips it around the corner, that's my fault. That's not Billy Gilmer's fault. Same as the old, you know, putting one across the box. If the strikers know there, that's that's their fault type thing. And again, I know I'm harping on about it, but it comes back to Steve Clark's um, selection. Um, they've got to know each other, how they play tactically. They're able to to make tweaks and things like that. But Scott McTominay is flourishing because I mean he plays and trains with good players day in day out, and it's no different when he goes to Scotland now. And the kind of marrying of the technical ability along with the the intelligence of how that team plays just it's no wonder the likes of McTominay's um, flourishing. Yeah, speaking of flourishing, Ryan Porteous, Ben, you and I may have to uh, renegade. I think is the word. We we may have to admit a bit of a a wrong estimation on Ryan I think Porteous I'm in that camp as well, Andy. To be fair, I would I'll be honest. I think you need to put me in that group as well. I think all three of us. <laughs> Well, it, it's it's very hard to to drop Ryan Porteous now, Ben, isn't it? He, he's he scored his first goal, um, but that's kind of irrelevant to the point in general. Delighted to see him get his first goal, but I think just as part of the defence, he's he slotted into international football brilliantly. You see the clip going around of his last minute tackle to stop Cyprus getting a, an injury time shot and goal. He's he, he's at home, I think, as part of that defence, and whether it's Hendry in the middle alongside him. Um, or if he needed to move into the middle, should Suter uh, play if Henry's injured? No real concerns about Ryan Porteous whatsoever. I think that we identified during the transfer window pod as well, he probably does have another move in him down south at some point over the next the next couple of years. Just He's, he's just had a brilliant introduction to, to life as a Scotland player. His only crease maybe would be giving away the penalty against Norway. That can happen, and and it ultimately it didn't matter. But that's the only goal that Ryan Porteous has conceded as a Scotland player. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and I think uh, to be in our defence, I think when he moved when he moved down south, we said that we thought that would be a very good move because it removed him from all of the sort of noise, all of the sort of headlines and everything that he was attracting here. I think that was the perfect move. He's he's absolutely not really put a foot wrong, like you say, apart from maybe that Norway uh, mistake, but. That is a hell of a lot of international football to play and not concede as a Scottish centre-back. Um, the fact that he got his goal as well, it was brilliant. Um, another set-piece. Um, I read a good bit from Austin McPhee about the amount of set-pieces that we've, we've scored um, in the last, I think it was 20. We've scored, we've scored a lot, um, which is a great weapon to have. Um, and Portia showed you know, that he's got that instinct in the box. And I think he said after the game as well, he was just as happy with his tackle at the end. And that sums it up. Um, he was desperate to keep that clean sheet. Um, him and the defence, you saw Gunn's reaction as well to the tackle. They they were desperate for that clean sheet. That was with about a minute left. Um, that shows how hard this team is working, the sort of personal pride that they have. Um, and yeah, absolutely, Porteous, he has really uh, just shone so far for Scotland. Rory, it's, 
it's quite a strange situation to be in to have Grant Hanley and Liam Cooper injured and still have six players that could potentially start at centre half. Yeah, no, I, listen, I, absolutely, and that's just um, where we're at as a nation at the moment in terms of the numbers we've got available. Um, all these guys are playing at a very good level, and like I've just said there, I, I had my doubts about Ryan Portis as well, Maurice temperament, and you know how he reacts under pressure at times. But Ben's um, absolutely right. I agree with him. You know, getting out of you know people describe Glasgow as a goldfish bowl, but you know, I'm sure Edinburgh can be similar at times. Um, you know, I'm sure down in London he's you not know, recognised everywhere he goes and he can go out for a bite to eat and he can go at the shops and he can do all these things, whereas in Edinburgh, I can imagine it was pretty difficult to do that type of thing. Um, so taking himself out of that heated um, rivalry, um, not just between Hibs and Hearts, but, you know, when they play Rangers, when they play Celtic, the microscope was always on Ryan Porteous. Um and how he was going to play and how he was going to react. Um, he kind of thrived in it, but I don't think it was good for him. Um, he, I think he enjoyed it, but I don't think that maybe he couldn't see it at the time. It was a positive thing for him. Now he's down in England. It's definitely helped. You know, you add that to you add him to a number of centre backs that we can now choose from, and not just it's not just centre backs that. You know, are available just because they're available. I think we would have a level of trust in any Steve Clark team at the moment that he put out. Well, John McGinn um, scored again, and I, I'm not going to to go on about John McGinn because we could do it every single podcast. If you want to hear more about John McGinn, check out the back catalogue, guys. Um, but that's his 17th goal for Scotland. One behind Kenny Miller, two behind Ali McCoist. We'll maybe chat about this at the end of the campaign, depending on if McGinn has scored another couple or not. But he could he could potentially reach Douglish and Law on thirty. That is not out of the question because McGinn did not score any goals in his first sixteen caps, and since scoring against Russia, he scored seventeen in this subsequent forty-one. So that's not too far off a one-in-two rate for Scotland. He's been involved in twenty-four goals since Clark's first game against Cyprus. It's just an absolutely frightening level of consistency for John McGinn, who, along with Robertson, is probably the first name on the team sheet for Scotland. Just an absolute legend. Guys, it's been a nice chat about this Cyprus game. Do you have any issues whatsoever about the game? Rory, you said that the second half was just a breeze. Was that energy conservation or was that an opportunity for a statement 5-6-0 win? Is that just pathetic? No, I don't think it's pathetic. Um, you know, I, I don't think there was any necessity to go out and in that heat after a busy, busy start to the season domestically. I don't think there was any need to exert yourself to the point where you are risking injury. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit cliche, but it's, which I like to try and avoid these cliches, but it was a very professional job. The, the job was done in the first half um, the team then did what they needed to do to get through the second half whilst Steve Clark was able to bring the changes it was just perfect ah, a couple of goals would have put the icing on the cake maybe but I think if we are going to go into that level of um, kind of expectation then um, you know we're really clutching at straws because I think a 3-0 win a breeze of a second half been able to make the changes it's not they're not the type of team as well where you think oh they've taken a foot off the gas they're 
Um, they're, they're coasting. They're, pre- they're not that type of group. Um, it was simply, I think, a case of managing the game, managing their fitness, managing their injuries, and just making sure they were in peak physical condition for their next match, which is totally understandable given how comfortable we were in the match. Clarks did make five changes uh, during the game. Dykes came on, Christie came on, Armstrong, Patterson and Kenny McLean came on. Ben, do you feel that if we're going to zone in on something to discuss about what could have been done differently, would you have liked to have seen maybe a few more inexperienced players come on for longer game time, given the game was wrapped up at half-time? Maybe Kevin Nisbet give him 20 minutes or so up front or give Lewis Ferguson half an hour in midfield, bring on John Souter to allow him to get back into the international fold with a 20 to 30 minute appearance. Yeah, 100%. That's the only thing I would have said. Um, Especially when it got to about the 60 minute mark, you think, right, this game is actually done. Like, you know, you think maybe Cyprus might come out and have a go at, you know, first five, 10 minutes and try and spook us. But it didn't happen. The game was wrapped up with 30 minutes. You've, You've brought Lewis Ferguson back. Um, over to train and everything. I, I really do. I I can't see how that could have had a negative impact. Putting him on and giving him thirty minutes in a in a difficult venue. You know, give him thirty minutes, getting used to that international shirt. You talk about Suter as well. I thought playing Tierney for as long as he did was. You know, I think Tierney went down at the end, looking a little bit groggy, and I was a little bit concerned about that. You know what Tierney's sort of injury record is like. I thought it was a little bit needless to play him for as long as he did. Um, I know he's sort of building the structure and he's trying to keep everything like as 100% as possible. Um, you talk about Nisbet as well. I think he started really well this season. Uh, and Shankland wasn't Shankland wasn't even on the bench, Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I've been trying to find out what that was for. Whether it was, I know he's just had a newborn, so I don't know if that's if it was that. But I'm pretty sure that he was with the squad. Um, so yeah, there was there was moments like that where you just think, like Nisbet especially, give him the last quarter of an hour, see if he can get his first goal. I just I didn't see any negative to that. Um, and we spoke about it before that Clark does seem to be a little bit hesitant to make subs. It's not a criticism because we're winning games. But I think when the game is already won, that was when you had the chance to give players that experience, which would just help their development. That's the only thing. Absolutely. Rory, do you think that it would have been nice to see some of the more inexperienced players get the opportunity? Yes, but I'm not surprised. <clears throat> I think just to play devil's advocate um, on Ben's point, you're Kenny McLean. Um, you've come on as a substitute in Norway and done unbelievably well. Scored a goal. So, you know, you, we, we chat about Lewis, Lewis Ferguson travelling to Cyprus and sitting on the bench and not getting on. If I'm Kenny McLean and I'm sitting on that bench and Lewis Ferguson's getting on, after I've been in Norway, travelled to Norway, turned the game around, scored a great goal, I'm sitting there thinking, that doesn't seem right. So, that you know, there's always more than one side to an argument, is, is my point. Um, and Steve Clark is somebody who rewards players who have done it for him. He's a very loyal manager in terms of the team selection. I've touched on that throughout this full show. So, the way I see it is, if you were to put that list of substitutes down, and you were to say, what five players are going to come on? I think most people would be able to look at it and go um, and pick the five players based on 
the, the players that Steve Clark consistently chooses to play or come on as substitutes, Ryan Jack possibly, um, would have been another one. So I think it's nice to introduce new players to the squad and to, to try and get them used to it and things like that. But Steve Clark's very much, you've got to earn it. If Kenny McLean goes on two, three times and doesn't do the business, that's when he'll maybe look to lose Ferguson and go, right, it's your shot. Go on and show me what you can do. Um, and if you do well enough, that's when you try and break into the team. So there is a queue. And as if the people in front of you keep performing to the levels of performing, then you're just going to have to be patient. And that's just the way it works. Um, and then when your chance comes along, you have to take it. So ah, it's nice to get new players into the squad. But um, Steve Clark is very loyal. And who's to judge and who's to um, to say that that's wrong because... Um, it's certainly working at the moment. Well, Scotland now just need two more points then to reach the European Championship in Germany next summer. It can be sealed while we play England on Tuesday with Norway and Georgia playing each other. If that finishes a draw, Scotland have done it. So tune in for our England preview, um, which should be out relatively shortly after uh, you've tuned in to this one and then we'll review the England match as well on Wednesday or Thursday and then before we know it we'll be back to international football again in October so loads to look forward to and thanks very much for tuning in Rory, Ben cheers guys Sports Social Podcast Network